Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak. That's a freak with two E's. It's a long explanation. I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store today on episode number 56. We're actually going to look at preseason week number two, minus a couple games. I've just watched the games from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I'm going to give you a little bit of thoughts, uh, 15 lessons that I've learned from looking at preseason week number two. Before we do that, I want to thank whoever it was that gave a five-star review. We did get one more five-star review this last week, and so I'm very grateful for that. I would love it if you guys would go into iTunes and rate and review. Those things will really help us as we get the season started. I appreciate it. If you're giving a listen on a regular basis, man, go in there and give me a five-star review and even write a comment or two. That'll actually help me learn, too, how I can get better. So I appreciate it if you do that. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Here are my 15 lessons from preseason week number two. Number one lesson um, is that Sam Darnold is going to challenge to be a quarterback number one. Man, Sam looked great again this week, just like he did last week. He was on target and on time on all kinds of plays, and then he's like super quick to adjust and make something out of nothing on broken plays. So his dynasty value is sharply on the rise, I believe. I moved him up to my number 11 ranked quarterback uh, this week, so he's in the top 12 now of my quarterback rankings. It's true, of course, that Adam Gase has indeed been a drain uh, to players' values, you know, when when he was coaching, apart from when he was coaching Peyton Manning. But I just believe that this year is going to be different. Darnold is far better than Tannehill, who Gase was was strapped to for so many years before this. And I just think he's going to be the tide that lifts all boats. Like, he is good enough to make Gase look better and all of the players on his team look better. In my recent, um, I'm part of a... Uh, gosh, uh, uh, like a Dynasty Diagnostics League. It's some of the Dynasty Diagnostic podcast. And so we have like kind of a podcaster's lead that just, just got started. And I'm really, really regretting that I picked uh, Kirk Cousins rather than Sam Bradford when I already had um, Jared Goff on my team in a two-quarterback league. So I was kind of trying to decide if I want to go with a you know, slow and steady guy like Cousins or if I want to go with an upside guy of Darnold. And about a week ago, ended up drafting uh, cousins instead, and now I'm really wishing that I would have had Darnold because I think that he is really on the rise, and I already have him ranked ahead of Cousins now. So my bad for me a week ago, but that's how much changed since these last two preseason games. I'm pretty confident in Darnold. Number two thing that I learned is that Ryan Finley could be a better could be better than Andy Dalton. Finley looked great again for the second week in a row, and I could not tell much of a difference between his passing ability and and also his like control of the offense than I did with Dalton. So Dalton's always been like an average quarterback. If you follow the uh, Around the NFL podcast, it's literally my favorite podcast about fo- football podcast around the NFL. You should follow those guys for sure. They do a thing every year they call the Dalton scale, which is like Dalton is like the prime meridian. He's like the, he's the, he's the middle-of-the-pack quarterback, and now they're going to list the guys that are above and below the Dalton scale. And I just think that Finley has room to improve, whereas Cincinnati already knows what they have in Dalton. We've seen enough of Dalton to know kind of what we have. 
And so I think that Cincinnati's going to struggle this year. It's highly unlikely that uh, Finley could beat him out to become a starter before the season. That, that's almost impossible to happen. But if the team struggles this year, which I believe they could, then I think that Finley is going to get some time because they've got to, particularly this next quarterback draft coming out, they've got to decide whether they are going to really have something in Finley and be able to draft a round quarterback or if they're going to have to draft a quarterback next year. And so I, I think Finley is going to get some time this year no matter what. And so in my uh, podcasters league that I'm in right now, I have uh, Superflex League and I've got two quarterbacks with, uh, cousin, like I already said, Cousins and Goff. I think I'm going to try to pick up Finley pretty late in that league just to hold him in this uh, 30-man roster league. Next thing I learned, uh, number three, is that Cole Beasley could be a PPR monster. <laughs> Beasley caught five passes in his five targets um, early in the game. It was it was nuts. They were just checking down, checking down, checking down to him all the time, and I just think that he might actually rack up receptions this year. I listened to a podcast by a beat reporter this last week who said that he wouldn't be surprised if Beasley, he would be surprised if Beasley had less than 100 receptions, which I just thought was ridiculous. But here you're talking to a guy with his boots on the ground, like he's there watching the practices and how they're using Beasley, and he feels like he's just going to be targeted uh, like crazy. And these, of course, are the easy targets that are, you know, you're going to, like, like this last week in the preseason, five for five. His catches are, are going to be, you know, in the 80, 90% catch rate for him. I just think they're going to target him a lot. I still really love Zay Jones, you know, for the long-term breakout there. Um, Beasley's really stuck in his role. I don't think he's going to have many touchdowns. But if you're in a PPR league, it's, it's conceivable that he's going to have five catches a game, just how things go. Um, hopefully that uh, Josh Allen's going to get a little bit more accurate, and it looks like he's already moving that way. So I think that Cole Beasley is going to be a PPR monster. Fourth lesson that I learned from this uh, week of preseason, preseason week number two, you got to admit when you're wrong. <laughs> I was wrong on Bruce Anderson. I'm sad to say uh, that I was wrong on Bruce Anderson. Uh, he's going to be in. The, I, he's not going to be in the mix in the Tampa Bay backfield, even though it was such a super weak backfield. So it was a combination of me really loving his college tape, and then him also like just jumping into a team, albeit not drafted, but as an undrafted free agent jumping into a backfield that was just really suspect. And so I thought that he had every chance, but it seems like he's clearly just not proven himself in any way. Um, I think that he'll be cut. Um, I don't think that he'll be with the team even. So I listened to a podcast again from another beat reporter this week at Tampa Bay who said that he predicted that Bruce Anderson was going to be cut as well. So this preseason's uh, week number two game even made that more likely because he was hardly in there at all. And so you got to admit when you're wrong. I'm going to brag when I'm right, but I'm also going to be honest to admit when I'm wrong, and I was wrong when it comes to Bruce Anderson. Lesson learned number five, Daniel Jones will start sooner rather than later. Jones did have two fumbles in the game, so that definitely looked bad. So if you look at it, uh, one was just him kind of just dropping a snap. One was him just not anticipating a rusher coming behind him. That was, you know, something that he'll learn to do for sure. Um, but he had two fumbles, so that looked bad in the stat line. But apart from that, he really looked great. The Giants, uh, you know, they benched Manning once last year, and it became like a PPR nightmare. And it feels like it was just because it was a PPR. <laughs> Here I am saying PPR. It was a PR, public relations nightmare, when they did. Um, and the PR nightmare continued, actually, when they drafted Jones because many thought he was going to be a bust or at least was drafted way too early. But so far in the preseason, he's proved the consensus wrong. 
And the Giant fans are starting to believe. And so I think this time when they're willing to bench Eli, which I think will happen this year, there's not going to be the PR problem they had before. Everyone's going to want it. Everyone's going to understand it. And this is going to happen sooner rather than later. Lesson learned number six, Jack Doyle is back. I've always been way higher on Doyle than everyone else. So perhaps that explains why I actually have him ranked ahead of Eric Ebron. And so that's just how I feel. I think that Ebron is a great uh, touchdown red zone you know, target, but that Jack Doyle is a much better complete player. And even last year, the Colts seemed to believe that too because Doyle was always getting more snaps than Ebron was when they were both healthy. Now the question is Doyle's health, which has always been a problem, but it was really great to see him back out there in a game, catch a ball, you know, look good doing it, and that was about it for him. But just the fact that he's healthy, I just think that he's going to have more catches and more yards than Ebron this year, without a doubt. Ebron may have more touchdowns. I'll admit that. I think that Ebron is a great red zone target. He might have more red zone targets, red zone touchdowns. But Doyle can do that too. And I just think that Doyle's going to have a lot more catches and be much more stable. It's uh, just great to see him back on the field again and give me confidence in that I have him ranked as my number nine tight end overall, which easily explains why I have him higher than most and why in my uh, experts draft that I was just in, this podcast league draft, I drafted him uh, as my second tight end in a tight end premium league behind Zach Ertz, and I love it. I love having those two guys. I think they're going to start for me every single week until, of course, he gets hurt, which often happens with him. Number seven that I learned from this week was that Ty Montgomery might be the running back number two behind Le'Veon Bell. Ty looked really good, even though it's still like super weird to see a guy wearing the number 88 jersey in the backfield, right? Looks just looks weird. But people like Elijah McGuire, and they recently re-signed Bilal Powell better than Ty. They like him more. But I think that everyone's wrong, and I was too. So this week, I actually moved Ty ahead of both Powell and McGuire in my rankings. I wouldn't be surprised to see Bell get injured this year after taking a year off. Like, it's really unproven how healthy he can be after taking a year off. And I think that the handcuff in New York uh, could hold great value. And I suspect the handcuff now is Ty. I just saw him go in the 16th round of one of my drafts. I I assume largely after uh, this expert's draft, they were watching um, the preseason games. And someone else like me said, man, I got to move Ty up. And so they drafted him in the 16th round of my Uh, experts draft that I'm in right now. Number eight thing that I learned is that Adrian Peterson will not die. Peterson's just not human. He's so frustrating. His first carry of the preseason is a 26-yard run in his typical uh, galloping style. He just looks like a horse when he's out there. Granted, he only had five yards on the other three carries that he had, but that's always what he does. This is what, this is Adrian Peterson. He'll run for one yard, one yard, one yard, then 30 yards. One yard, one yard, one yard, 70 yards. That's just what he does. He makes big plays. Darius Geis is still not cleared for contact. I just think this year in particular, Peterson's going to play. Now, I don't think this is a great dynasty move, of course. We know we're talking about Adrian Peterson, who's definitely on the downside of his career, if not you know, a year or two from being out of the league. But Peterson's going to play. He's not human. And this year, he's uh, worth buying in leagues where you're a contender or if you need just a quick fix at running back. Uh, Peterson's going to get some play, especially early in the season, and he's going to perform well because he's Adrian Peterson. He just does what he does. Number nine thing that I learned this year is that, uh, this week rather, is that Deion Kane's going to get some work. 
Kane was targeted early and often this preseason game. Chester Rogers started ahead of him, definitely had a lot more snaps, but it sure seemed like the coaches were like going out of their way to see what they had in Kane. He was getting a ton of targets. targets. His ACL surgery was a year ago, so he was a year past it. Uh, I, admittedly, this is a very packed wide receiver core in uh, Indianapolis since they drafted Paris Campbell, since they signed Devin Funches in free agency. Um, but all that just seems to point to that they know that they need, they have some needs there. And so someone's got to rise up. Paris Campbell's been hurt. Um, and then uh, Devin Funches has just never, you know, been a guy that I've been very high on, although they have used him pretty well in the preseason so far, and they seem confident in what they want to do with him. I just think there's still a competition for the number two or the number wide, number three wide receiver spot. Um, regrettably, I, I held Kane through so many seasons, or th- through a whole season, had him on me in my IR spots last year, and in, in most of those leagues, I actually dropped him. I think I only own him one more league now. I'm starting to regret it because I think Grant, I think Kane is going to have his chances uh, to really become a wide receiver number two or three with Indianapolis. Number 10 thing that I learned is that Tommy Sweeney or Dawson Knox will make an impact this year. I was encouraged to see that Josh Allen was being a little bit more accurate, and he targeted his tight ends in this last preseason game. Sweeney had just two catches, but they were great catches um, for 47 yards. Uh, this One of these rookie tight ends, either Sweeney or Knox, is going to be targeted in this offense because there's just no one else there to do it. Um, I was a lot higher on Knox than most analysts, and I drafted him in the last round of my rookie drafts and many of my drafts. And so, but his training camp injuries has given Sweeney a chance to earn the number earn the number one job. I still like Knox more, but the battle's starting to get interesting. If Knox can't get healthy and try to prove something here, uh, what Sweeney did on Saturday is going to make it pretty challenging. Or I guess that might have been on Friday when when they played. Either way, it's going to make it challenging uh, for Knox to to beat him out. So I might even be willing at the very last moves here before we have to cut down our rosters. If Knox doesn't play, I might be willing to actually drop Knox and pick up Sweeney just to see what will happen there in Buffalo. Number 11 thing that I learned is that Auden Tate is a deep sleeper. Here's the thing with Auden Tate. Um, I remember Auden Tate being among my top 10 rookies in 2018. Top 10. But that was before the NFL draft. And when he was not drafted until the seventh round, his draft capital just made me have to drop him and end up never drafting him in E-League, even though I was so high on him by watching his film. Uh, he, his uh, combine and everything was just bad, and then he wasn't drafted to the seventh, so the film just didn't match how he performed at the combine and how low he was drafted, but it just made us have to drop him in our drafts. But he stuck on. He stuck on Cincinnati, stayed on the team this last year, and it seems like this preseason they're actually using him to do what he does best, which is really just high-pointing balls and boxing out guys in the red zone. He scored another touchdown this week, as he did last week, and he could get some work with A.J. Green out with this injury. He has time now to prove that he's worthy of some more reps, especially down there at the goal line. It's a deep sleeper, but if you have a deep league, I would consider adding Auden Tate. He might have something to prove. Similar, uh, number 12 thing that I learned is that Chris Jones is a guy to hold in Baltimore. Jones played most of the first half snaps opposite of rookie Miles uh, Boykin, but received a lot more action. He caught all four of his passes uh, for 54 yards and a touchdown. Marquise Brown, also a rookie, uh, could certainly come back to take his spot if he gets healthy. He was, after all, the first receiver drafted. He's going to get his chances. But the fact is that Jones has more experience 
And, and he could hold off both of these rookies. Like, who's to say that, given his experience, that he couldn't hold off Brown and Boykin? Uh, it'd be pretty rare to see two rookie wide receivers starting, you know, for an NFL team. So I'm willing to consider Jones right here. I'm going to pick him up in several of my leagues this week since he's likely on the waiver wire in all of them. Haven't looked yet, but I'm getting off this podcast I'm recording right now and going straight to look to see where Chris Jones is. Uh, he could be a guy that you want to kind of hold on the very end of your roster. Number 13 thing that I learned is that just defense is underrated. The fact is that Greg, Greg Williams always makes defenses better fantasy options. He's super aggressive, which results in sacks and turnovers. You know, it's a preseason game, so you can't read too much into it, especially given Greg Williams. He might be doing things that he shouldn't be doing, like going crazy after quarterbacks when he shouldn't in a preseason game. But the fact is that either way, he makes defenses better by his aggressive style. Add to that the fact that they have some really good stars on their team with Leonard Williams um, on defensive line, C.J. Mosley in the linebacker core, Jamal Adams as a safety, and the rookie uh, Quinnen Williams, which is signed with them as well. The Jets are sure to improve on defense. And the thing is that this is a DST that's on the waiver wire in many of our leagues. And so I think they should be picked up. If you've got kind of a borderline defense, I would recommend taking the Jets as a defense to hold um, on your rosters as well, if, of course, you have defenses on your fantasy leagues. Two more things here of the 15. Number 14, Tony Pollard is looking the part. So Jerry Jones is playing hardball with Zeke, and Saturday's game made it even easier for him to do so because Pollard looked great. He was uh, I was skeptical about Pollard um, and didn't have him ranked as high as I should have, given that he never had a full workload in college, um, but he has the size, and he really has a big playability. No one argues those things. To be a starter, even though he wasn't in college, uh, he averaged uh, eight yards per carry on Saturday and one touchdown. I still believe that Zeke is going to come back and play this year uh, with a contract or perhaps without a contract. But Pollard's value is still rising regardless. Uh, Dallas could very well actually move on from Zeke after his rookie contract. If Pollard continues to show what he has, that he has what it takes, it's possible that they'll just kind of move on from him and stick with Pollard. Uh, this is one guy that I never drafted. I've got one more draft left uh, than my uh, Freaks League draft, thus the Freaks with two E's. My Freaks League draft that's 27 years old. So we are getting together on Labor Day weekend to do our rookie draft. And uh, Pollard is going to be a guy I'm going to move way higher up the board. I already have um, on the website and in my draft board. And so I'm hoping then maybe this could be a guy to take a chance on, but so then is everyone else because he's no longer a sleeper. Finally, number 15, uh, Daryl Henderson has room to grow. All the buzz about Henderson is starting to fade. Um, I saw him draft as the number three rookie in one of my rookie drafts recently, and that looks pretty ridiculous now. He looked decent enough in the passing game, um, at least on one play. He had kind of one big catch, but his running thus far has been really unimpressive. Um, I just don't know if it doesn't translate he was just such a great big play um, ability running back there in Memphis, and I just don't see it right now. I wouldn't be surprised if Malcolm Brown is the number two running back in L.A., and he's far, far easier to buy than Henderson. You might be able to pick up Brown on your waiver wire, waiver wire right now. Um, I think that they're going to give uh, Henderson every chance to succeed just because they traded up to get him. Like They have to try to make this work, but I'm not convinced that he has what it takes um, besides that, I, th- I, don't, I think the Gurley injury news is very overrated. I think Gurley's going to be just fine. 
they are probably going to try to take it a little bit more easy on him. He's not going to get as many touches, but as far as his ability, Gurley's far better than Henderson, like far, far better than Henderson and Brown for that matter. Um, I'm 100% out on Henderson. I'm not going to have him at his price anywhere. I'm glad that I never bought him in any rookie drafts, and he's definitely showing some question marks, which, of course, could change. We'll see. That's why we watch all of these games. So I watched all of the games that have been played thus far, minus the Sunday and the one Monday night game. But these are my 15 observations of what I've learned from watching these games. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch them, that's why I do these podcasts, because I want to watch them for you and be your independent voice in the Dynasty community and hope that you'll see that I am the most trustworthy voice that you can have. I've been building out the website now for about a, a year and wanted to develop a year's worth of content so that you could actually go back and see whether I'm generally right or wrong on my fantasy takes, my dynasty takes. I have a lot of contestable and verifiable content on the site right now, so I'd love for you to go back and read them and see if I can't be your most trusted and independent voice in the dynasty landscape. I appreciate you giving a listen. You know what to do until next time. You got to go out there, get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.